Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located in the Bartahatchee community outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, on Wolf Road, 40283 Wolf Road. We meet 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning and would love you to join us. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, right there on Highway 15 in between Matheston and Ackerman, Mississippi. They also meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. Their wonderful pastor is Elder David Wise, who assists me in this radio ministry ministry, and we would love for y'all to come and visit with us. Also, feel free to visit Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church any second, third, fourth, or fifth Sunday. They do not meet on the first Sunday, but all the other Sundays at 1030 a.m. they meet, and they're located at 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. Wonderful folks, and they will treat you so well. Go and visit with any of us, and we'll be glad to meet you. Uh, We invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com. That's the website that that is a service of this broadcast, and we want you to contact us via that website. Uh, There are archived messages, uh, frequently asked questions, church locators, links. We would love for you to join us. We also meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening uh, at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi, on the grounds of New Covenant Church. 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, we have an abbreviated worship service, and then we have a meal together, and we want to be specifically there for not only Mississippi State students, but also uh, citizens of Starkville, and we desire to meet you and to worship Jesus Christ with you. Uh, Have you ever just taken for granted the parable of the Good Samaritan? Have you ever just seen it as just a, you know, just a, a fable just something that is a happy little thing to consider. We hope and pray in this series of messages that we're bringing for you that you will be able to see a deeper meaning and in, uh, get a greater spiritual fulfillment out of the consideration of this very commonly known parable called the Good Samaritan. And uh, after today's hymn, we'll be right back with today's installment. Jesus
Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my King James translation to Luke chapter 10. And today I would like to deal with the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, found in Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 25 through 37. And in this parable, we're going to see one who is completely helpless and in need. We're going to see two who really didn't care, who were very neglectful. And we're going to see one who, ironically, according to the view of the Jews in the time this parable was given, winds up being the wonderful hero of this occasion. So let's read in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, meaning he tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, first off, I'll tell you that any inheritance that you gain because of a work you do is not an inheritance at all. It's actually a wage. Uh, the very uh, intended meaning of an inheritance is that it is freely bestowed, that it is of grace. It is not according to a wage. But we'll give this man his misconception, and Jesus did as well. And Jesus knew exactly how to answer him when he asked, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Obviously, this man says there's some act I can do, some power inherent within me and my abilities, whereby I can secure eternal life and live with Jehovah in heaven. Verse 26, he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. See, Jesus always knows how to respond to someone, because Jesus, not only being all man, he's also all God, and he has the knowledge of God. And he knows exactly what weaknesses and what lusts what uh, misconceptions, what prejudices and preconceived notions that every sinner holds. And he knew exactly what the problem with this man was. This man was very filled with pride. Because here, in wrapping up the entirety of the Mosaic law as given on the mountaintop of Mount Sinai, that law, which this lawyer himself counted himself to be a great expert in and made his living by, and uh, was seen as famous because of his knowledge of it, this man believed that, eh, this is not a big deal. I can do this. I can, I can love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, every part of my being, and I can love my neighbor as myself. Friends, let me tell you something. The Word of God tells us that love is of God, and everyone that loveth knoweth God and is born of God. All right? So if any man can have the agape love within them to even desire to want to love the Lord thy God and to love his neighbor, obviously it's because he's already been born again. So here Jesus is telling him, you need to do that, which its ba very basis is an emotive of love. I hear people say quite often, all you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart. Well, you can get a parrot to read a statement inserting a name saying that I accept Jesus in my heart, but then they would say, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you really have to mean it in your heart. Well, friends, a motive that comes from your inner being can only come from a nature that is in harmony with that desire. And I'll tell you, uh, everything the Bible tells me about the original fallen nature of man is that he is incapable 
of loving God and loving his fellow man. He is incapable of having a pure motive to want to do the things of God. To him, it will ne- never the law will never be anything more than an objective set of principles. It will never be written in the heart unless the Lord is the one that puts it there. Allah, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and other places. So here Jesus is replying to him in exactly a way that would uh, provoke him to give a response. And after saying this, he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And truly, if someone was not corrupted under the law, not corrupted in their nature, and they could keep the law perfectly, then they would have the just right to live before God. But no man is in that state. So meanwhile, back to our parable. Verse 29, But he, this lawyer, willing to justify himself, See, he doesn't want to give all the honor and the praise to the Lord. He wants to be justified in himself. He sees himself as being able to make himself right before God. What a vain, cocky, and proud attitude this man is displaying. Uh, Certainly not what we read about the uh, humble attitude of a born-again Christian. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Uh, Because this man obviously thought he had it all wrapped up. He said, "My if my neighbor are the Jews, and that, I believe, was exactly who he was anticipating Jesus was going to say, that the, your Jewish brethren are your neighbors. Well, this man says, you know what? I give service and benevolence, according to the law, to these people all the time. I'm a man of high esteem among the Jews. I'm a man highly acclaimed. I'm a man of uh, great stature and position among the Jews. Obviously, if I'm going to do good to my neighbor, if I'm going to love my neighbor as I ought to, now I'm already doing that. He probably thinks, man, I've got this calf licked clean. But Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. Now here, this is the reply of Jesus to this proud, vain question by this lawyer asking, and who is my neighbor? Again, verse 30. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The road from Jerusalem down to Jericho was notoriously steep, notoriously tortuous, very windy, hairpin turns, very uh, full of crags and nooks and crannies where thieves and despots and bushwhackers would hide out. And it was well known as a very dangerous stretch of road. And here this man had traveled down from Jerusalem and had fallen among thieves and they had uh, grievously beaten him and injured him, left him half dead. So this man was in complete and total need. He was helpless in himself. He had no strength. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. You know, Jesus never said anything accidentally. It all had purpose. And so there must be purpose in him starting out by pointing out a priest came that way. Well, how did this priest respond? How would you, listening friend today, anticipate, uh, what would you expect a priest to do when you saw someone in the middle of the road, beaten down, half dead, totally in need? Uh, Well, I'm afraid this priest did what oftentimes... Many people who claim religiosity over love and affection and care and fear of God do. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. You see, I think this priest is being used here because there were many that saw themselves as religiously exceptional. 
just because of the religion in which they were involved. And many people have always been that way. There's always been the religions that are seen as the high religions, the common religions, just as common as a gourd dipper or exalted and high and holy in a cathedral. But see, my friends, uh, Jesus, uh, in through the medium of the Holy Spirit, prophesied through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 65 and tells us how uh, he feels about this situation. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 65, uh, we're going to read verse uh, 4 is where we'll begin. Speaking of uh, many among the Jews who were very proud and very obstinate and rebellious against God. In verse 4, it says of Isaiah 65, which remain among the graves and lodge in the mountains, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels. See, these people are totally hypocritical. They're going out of their way to go contrary to exactly what the law demands, but yet at the same time, they think they're better than everyone else according to that law. You can go to Romans chapter 2 and read about unregenerated people, unregenerated men among the Jews, and how they want to wield the law. And yet, in doing so, they blaspheme the name of God. Well, here, this is the same manner of people. And then he goes on in verse 5 to say, Which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. God said, These are a smoke in my nose and a fire that burneth all the day. This proud religious stance of, I'm more religiously pure than you. Now, don't get me wrong, my friends. There is right and wrong regarding religion. If you're going to the Word of God, uh, we should uh, model our doctrines and our practices according to the Word of God. It is the tried and true and unchanging standard of doctrine and practice for the church. But we also must realize that all men are different here in this sin-cursed earth, and there's going to be some different interpretations, and there's going to be some who are not as disciplined to follow the things that they learn in the Word of God as they ought to. We need to be very careful against pride. We know that there are six things the Lord doth hate, yea, seven are abomination, and the very first one he said is a proud look in Proverbs chapter 6. So we don't want to be guilty of that, and apparently this, uh, this uh, priest was. You see, uh, this priest... He might have thought, well, I, uh, you know, I just don't know if I should extend mercy to this man. I, you know, me being who I am and him being who he is, I don't know the background of this man. And here I am. I mean, I'm a priest. I'm uh, one who has been sanctified and consecrated uh, to serve in the in the temple. And he just passed this man right on by. But we must understand, my friend, this priest who I'm sure really relied heavily on his knowledge and his adherence to the law, the Levitical law regarding the worship of God. This law that he uh, clung to uh, did not exclude mercy. Rather, no, it was enjoined upon us to be merciful. Look at Micah in the Old Testament, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Well, this is what hyper-religious people might think. But what does the Lord require of us? He goes on in verse 8 of Micah chapter 6. 
He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to, notice this, love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. How can we walk humbly with our God unless we are going above and beyond to show grace and mercy? You see, grace, uh, my friends, if you wanted to kind of see the distinction between grace and mercy, here's a good way to look at it. Grace is receiving that which you certainly do not uh, deserve. Good, benevolent blessings that you do not deserve. That's grace. And mercy is not receiving the punishments and the heartaches for things you do deserve. You see, God gives us both grace and mercy. And here he says to love mercy. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, how can we walk humbly with our God unless we are showing mercy? See, that characteristic of mercy is one of the very uh, characteristics of the essence of Jehovah, of God himself. Notice in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7, this is a proclamation that the Lord makes about himself. And I think the Lord knows the Lord better than any of us know the Lord. Exodus 34, 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord... The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Oh, what a wonderful proclamation of the grace and mercy of the Lord. Now, he does go on to continue to say, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. That's true. God is not going to uh, do damage to his just nature so that he could show forth his merciful and gracious nature. No, they must all uh, coincide. They must all harmonize for God to be God. But I just rejoice that he is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. One example, Psalms 136 tells you 26 times that his mercy endureth forever. My friends, the very picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament tabernacle and then later uh, temple service was the mercy seat or the seat of propitiation in the holiest of holies, in the inner veil, the inner sanctum. Brothers and sisters, in Ezekiel chapter 16, you see this, this tender, wonderful characteristic of mercy of the Lord expressed in this uh, picture we see of a child that has been born and cast out and is dead to this world. Ezekiel 16 verse 4, And as for thy nativity in the day thou wast born... Thy navel was not cut. Here, the Lord is speaking of his covenant people, Israel. And by extension, this is a representation of what he, how he deals with us, his eternal people, a people of every kindred nation, people in tongue, not just circumcised Israelites, but those who've been circumcised in the heart. As for thy nativity in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Now, anyone would look at this child in its blood, in its dreadful situation, and in its dead uh, nature, and would say, it's to be unclean for me to come near this child. But what did the Lord do? Verse 6, And when I passed by thee and saw thee, polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, and I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Friends, how much more godlike could we be 
than to inconvenience ourselves and to lower ourselves and to condescend ourselves unto men of low estate, those who are in need, men, women, and children who require mercy. I can tell you, if we have mercy to give, then as the God our Father has given to us, so should we freely give to them. You see, Jesus stressed mercy over religiosity or just religious exercise that these this priest apparently was so proud of. Matthew chapter 9, verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw it, uh, saw him eating with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, who are those that are sick in this context? Sick of their sin debt, of the corruption of their sins. Well, how are they going to know that unless the law has been impressed upon their hearts? They'll not see themselves a sinner. No, they see themselves as standing in a, you know, averse to everything. They see themselves as high and holy and lifted up in themselves. That's the original nature and tendency of fallen man. So he said, yes, there are those who see themselves as whole in this world. But he said, there are some that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but center, sinners excuse me, to repentance. I can tell you, friends, if our religion is so focused on being right doctrinally or practically in our worship, if we are so spent in our time meditating upon how historically right we are and our descendancy from Jesus and the apostles, if we spend more time and effort focusing on that rather than showing forth tender, precious, wonderful, loving mercy to people, then we are in error and we need to repent. Oh, let us be sick, my friends, because we have a physician who can make us whole. In Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. So what are the weightier matters of the law? These are the most important aspects of the law. Well, those Pharisees, the lawyers, those priests might say, well, it's tithing. It's uh, uh, keeping this sanctifying feast or keeping this observance. But the weightier matters of the law, according to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, was judgment, mercy, and faith. He said, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. But I've heard this challenge. Well, this priestly duty, he had a priestly duty to perform. Was this a valid reason for him not coming near unto this injured, bloody, uh, unclean person? Uh, well, you know, because in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 10 says, he that is the high priest among his brethren. And we also see that the uh the uh, this uh, injunction, as it were, was also upon the priests in their regular uh, duties day by day, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated to put on the garment, shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes, neither shall he go into any dead body nor defile himself for his father or his mother, and so on and so on. So yes, there was a commandment, there was a burden that when they were consecrated for priestly duty, they were to remain separate and clean and they were to remain in the temple. But my friends, this man was not in the temple, okay? Just as 
this man who had been beaten and left half dead had come down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It said in like manner, this priest had come down from Jerusalem. This man was not under any consecration at this present time to serve in the temple because he was not in the temple. No, apparently if he had been, he was completed his duty and was probably headed back home uh, before his next round of service was to come around. No, uh, this priest was going down from Jerusalem also. His duties apparently been fulfilled. He was not presently consecrated. You see, that wasn't the problem. The problem with mercy in this case was not in that it was precluded by the law. It's that it was inconvenient. It was inconvenient. You see, because had he gone and touched this man and helped him, true, according to the law, he would have need, needed to have cleansed and to have been separate from the camp for, you know, till sundown. It said when the verse, uh, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 7, and when the sun is down, he shall be clean and shall afterward eat of the holy things because it is his food. You see, there would have been some sanctifying he would have had to gone through and that would have been a little inconvenient. But my friends, if we are to show mercy, true mercy is shown when it is inconvenient. If it's convenient to show mercy, there's not much mercy there. This is the same thing with sacrifice. If it doesn't sting a little bit to give it, it wasn't much of a sacrifice. You see, mercy is the same way. It's not convenient to show mercy. Oh, but how beautiful and glorious and worth it all it is. Brothers and sisters, let's not be like this Levite. Uh, I'm sorry, let's not be like this priest who was pointed out in this first part of this parable, uh, lacking mercy, seeing himself as uh, too religious and too precious and special and gentrified regarding his, uh, his uh, priestly office, that he couldn't come down to an injured person and render care. Oh, what neglect, what sorry state of affairs this is. Brothers and sisters, let us consider these things. And hopefully next time on this broadcast, we'll be able to continue on with this wonderful parable regarding the Good Samaritan. Until we're able to speak with you again, may the Lord's richest blessings be upon you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 
and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. One day.